Welcome to Indrani's Light Foundation Caring for the Caregivers podcast, dedicated to supporting frontline caregivers in women's shelters by helping reduce compassion fatigue and burnout. Episode 3 Indrani, Amy, and Jeremy offer a scenario based training podcast today. As a caregiver, you are faced with the challenge of supporting all of your clients at work, then feeling obligated to return home and take care of your family. Today's scenario focuses on the challenge and how you can take care of yourself first, then take care of your family after a hard day's work. You can submit your own questions or challenging situations for the show at indranislight.org forward slash support. Now let's get started. Hello, Amy and Indrani. Welcome to episode three of the podcast. Hello. Hi, Jeremy. I'm going to jump right into our scenario for this episode. Uh, We had a caregiver write to us and they said, I am having a problem at home with my family. Every night, as soon as I come home from a long day at work, I am immediately put to work at my second job, taking care of my family, making dinner, helping with homework, preparing lunches, putting kids to bed, cleaning, organizing, The task list never stops. Sometimes I'm up until midnight taking care of everyone else. Then I have to pull myself out of bed the next morning, go to work, and start taking care of everyone there. All I want to do is go home and rest for a while. But when I try to do that, I feel guilty that I'm not taking care of my family duties. Help! And so what we're going to do now is each of us will be sharing a tool from the Live a Brighter Life curriculum and talking about how you can apply those tools to start dealing with this challenge. It may be that you don't quite resolve this challenge with some of these tools, but these are going to get you started on the process of working through the challenge and over time solving the challenge. So I think it's important that the things that we are teaching here aren't going to necessarily be a quick fix. I think all of us can agree that we are are still doing all of this work every day. Yeah, so it's not a painkiller. It's uh, more like an ice pack. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, or a a physiotherapy routine to get rid of that nagging injury. I'm going to jump in first today. Uh, And I'm going to talk about uh, one of my favorite exercises that we have in the Live a Brighter Life curriculum and and one that we use a lot. And Indrani has called this one going to the movies. And this is a, a boundary awareness exercise. So this exercise is going to help you better understand this situation with going home and and having the demands of your family exhausting you and then going to work and having the demands of your work exhausting you and having no time for yourself in between. And so what I want to do, want you to do as you're listening to the podcast now, and when you do this exercise later is think of one of the people in your family or at work that is bringing up this challenge. So making these demands on you, making you feel like you have no time for yourself. And I want you to imagine yourself with this person in the situation. So you've walked through the door at home and they start demanding. You've shown up at work and they're making demands. 
think of the last time this actually happened to you. And the key here is you're not going to judge yourself. You're not going to think of what you could have done. You're not going to think of what they could have done. All you're going to do is observe yourself in this situation. And you're going to watch the situation play out as you and this person interact and the boundaries come clashing together and, and those boundaries are crossed. And you're going to ask yourself a few questions as you watch the scene. And as Indrani says in one of the original recordings of this, if, if you want to imagine having some popcorn and sitting in the movie theater seat and looking up at the screen and watching this, that can kind of help you pull yourself out of the situation. Out of the situation. So the question you're going to ask is, what is happening for you? Feel in your body how you're standing or sitting. What are you doing with your hands, your eyes, your mouth? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? And go through the whole process of watching this interaction, really focusing on what are you thinking, what are you feeling? When the scene is done, open your eyes and write down the answers to those questions as well as what are the personal boundaries that are being crossed for you? What are those boundaries that have been broken? And how did you react? What are you communicating to this person verbally and non-verbally? And the reason that this exercise can be so powerful is it's going to open up your eyes and your understanding to not only what boundaries that person is crossing, but how you're reacting to those boundaries. And just making these observations without judgment is going to give you a better understanding and really open you up for the tools that Amy and Indrani are going to share. So that's our first tool, going to the movies. Any thoughts on you that? Know, Jeremy, I love that tool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Amy, do you want to use, uh, share your tool? Yes. Um, our first module that we uh, teach, thanks to Indrani, is uh, called Setting Boundaries. And the reason why I love the fact that Indrani started with this particular uh, module is because it's almost the number one thing we need to start with when we have a narrative like Jeremy was talking about, and especially this scenario that we're talking about today. This is one of the most common scenarios that I hear when I go to the domestic violence shelters and teach our caregivers, you know, what is one of the number one problems that you're having around boundaries? And this is what comes up. They feel like they're taking care of everyone, both at home and at work. And again, another uh, gratitude I have for Indrani is that she picked up Nina Brown's work. Uh, Nina Brown is one of uh, Indrani's uh, mentors and specifically the book that Nina Brown authored, which is called Coping with Infuriating, Mean, and Critical People. Great book. And what Nina talks about in this book is the four types of boundaries that we need to deal with on a daily basis and just about every scenario that comes up as a challenge. 
And the first, uh, she talks about these four different boundaries. The, uh, the four are called soft boundaries, spongy boundaries, rigid boundaries, and flexible boundaries. And so as we talk about this particular scenario about going, you know, being at work every day, dealing with women and children and other, you know, coworkers around their trauma and around uh, all the work that goes into domestic violence shelter work, and then going home and really feeling like you need to take care of your family. And where are your boundaries when you go home after this kind of work? You know, why are our caregivers not setting their boundaries, you know, after they go home? Is it fear? Do they fear that their family are, you know, might judge them as not being a good mom or a dad, depending on, uh, you know, what the circumstances are? Or is it cultural norms? A lack of clarity, maybe, about what uh, the caregiver's values are or personal values are? In this case, does this caregiver feel like they would be selfish if they actually went home and actually asked their spouse or their children to actually make them dinner? What, you know, what is going on with them? And with Nina's work of all of these boundaries, the four things they need to identify is what kind of boundaries do you have? Does this care caregiver have soft boundaries? where they're actually merging with, you know, their spouses or their family's boundaries and they're easily manipulated. So for example, if the caregiver goes home and he or she is just very, very tired and says, Hey, I, I can't make dinner tonight. Can you make dinner? I, I just had a hard day at work. And the spouse says, well, my job is much harder than yours. You know, it's, you know, obviously I'm more physical in my, job so i'm more tired so no i'm not gonna i can't make dinner for you i'm more tired than you are and that caregiver says oh yeah you're right you know i i'll go ahead and make dinner and take care of the family tonight so very you know it's a maybe a manipulated situation where they feel that they they don't have those um really strong boundaries could be a spongy maybe their um boundaries are a bit spongy which Nina Brown uh, really defines as uh, you're unsure of what to let in and what to keep out. So every day that caregiver goes home, it might be a different scenario every, every night that they go home. It could be a rigid boundary. Are they closing themselves off? And they don't want to become vulnerable and actually have that conversation with their uh, spouse or their family about what's going on with them and they just close off and they don't say anything or they uh, or maybe they feel a little bit like they're grumpy or crabby that you know that night when they go home and what Nina Brown teaches is that we want to make sure we're teaching and really becoming flexible with our boundaries in which you feel like you're in control of what to let in and what to keep out. And you're, you feel like you're under control and your life is more balanced. 
in which you can have that open narrative and open conversation with your spouse and with your family in this case, in which you can have, you know, the, that open conversation, maybe even ahead of time. This flexible kind of boundary takes work and it takes daily work. And like Jeremy said earlier, this is not a quick fix. This is everyday work. How can we teach this caregiver in this scenario, for example, to actually have an open family conversation one day and say, hey, look, something's going on. I feel like I'm coming home every night and I'm just, I'm getting really worn out. How can we work on this as a family? Maybe on Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, when I come home, maybe you guys can help me make dinner and put yourselves to bed and, or, you know, whatever that case is where everyone feels like they're being taken care of. And that's the number one step here uh, of some flexible boundaries and to really flexing that muscle as uh, Indrani often says when we're working on our uh, all of these tools is that every day we need to do something. This is the, the we're taking baby steps. Okay. Thank you, Amy. So yeah. uh, just to, to link these two together. So you're going to go to the movies and observe the situation, what's happening, what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what your body feels like. And then Amy has transitioned nicely into as you reflect on what happened in that situation, identify whether your boundaries with that person are soft, spongy, or rigid so that you can start moving towards creating flexible boundaries. Mm -hmm. And in future episodes, we'll talk a lot more about what those flexible boundaries look like and, and how to move towards them. So thank you, Amy. Yeah. That was good, Wrong. Amy. Okay, this is, this is almost like we're doing this beautiful dance together because my tool is from the book, The Power of a Positive No, and it's yes, no, yes. The first yes is yes, exclamation point. The second yes is a yes, question mark, which we will explain. So let's go back to Amy and Jeremy's tools and now you're ready to make some kind of change. The tool that we're using here, I would ask you to practice this tool with people who are not so important to you right off the bat. Do not go home and practice this tool with the people I call your 500 pound gorillas. We will get crushed if we practice with the 500 pound gorilla. So the person I want you to practice with are people, you know, somebody in your office that's not that important or somebody in the grocery store or fake practice with a friend, but know, know how they sound and what they feel like before. So the first yes is, so I don't want to make dinner. That is my no. My no is, I don't want to come home and have to make dinner right away. 
to be able to stand on that no, you have to know your yes exclamation point. And the yes exclamation point is a reflection of your values, your values for life. Uh, why are values so important to yes, no, yes? Well, some of the things that we teach in our curriculum are values are the foundations of law, custom, and tradition. Values reflect a person's sense of right or wrong. Values tend to influence attitudes and behaviors. Values give our life purpose, meaning, and passion. Values are inherited to some degree. You know, if our parents had a value for, let's say, music, classical music, um, they were, it was very soothing and comforting in the house, we may have that value. So let's say that a woman, a person, a caregiver, which is often the woman, has a value of this. In my culture, women do it all. We go to work, we come home, we take care of the family, we do it all. So if that is your value, you will not be able to ask for help because your, your yes is, I need to do it all. It's all my work. If your value is, you know what? I am an integral part of this family and I deserve rest and rejuvenation. If that is a strong value, then you will be able to stand on that value empowered with the no. So as you are saying, so you don't say out loud, no, I'm not making dinner. Instead, what we say is we have the value of rest and rejuvenation for ourselves and for others. And we say, guys, like Amy said, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, when I come home, I would like for you guys to put the dinner together. Now, if your family will not accept that they have to put the dinner together on Tuesdays and Thursdays, the yes question mark could be, what will happen instead of you doing cooking the dinner? So it could be something like, um, you guys will give up your, your uh, allowance money and we will have takeout. Or you guys will come home early from work or school and you will prep the vegetables and the whatever. And when I come home, I'll stick it in the oven. So the yes question mark still gives you a lot of relief. And at the same time, it helps you to get things done that need to be done. So we have the going to the movies. And here, taking yourself to the movies and you seeing this play out is really amazing to see well, at what point in my trajectory with this tool am I brave enough to bring it into the family? But first, you know, we have to practice with people that are not so important to us. And we all have those people in our lives that we can practice with. For instance, 
um, let's say you have a friend and they say, hey, I feel for Chinese food tonight. So let's go to a Chinese restaurant. But let's say you had Chinese food last night. You can say to yourself, well, what is my yes? My yes is I really want to be with this person. My no is I don't want Chinese food tonight. What is my yes? Ex what is my yes? Question mark. So you can say, you know, friend, I had Chinese food last night. How about we go for Thai food? That's a good, a good compromise. So there are ways to start practicing the yes, no, yes without bringing it home to the 500 pound gorillas right away. Would you agree with that, Amy and Jeremy? Yeah, I actually think, uh, and this just really came up for me as you were saying that, Indrani, that one thing I think we forget is in those easy everyday decisions that we make, we are still setting boundaries, but I don't think we think about it that way. And I think it can be helpful to realize that in a simple situation where a friend says they want one thing to eat and you want something else, you are actually setting a boundary and that's a great place to practice. And so remember that those are boundary conversations. Yeah. Actually, you know, Jeremy, I think it would be helpful if we, if we always think that every time we open our mouth, we're setting or breaking a boundary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like how you always talk about flexing our, uh, our muscles when we're doing <laughs> work. It really is. It's, it's training every day, Andrani. Uh, I, I can remember the first time because my, um, much of my life was, has always been about pleasing others and pleasing people. And if I did, yeah. uh, I was fearful that they would judge me, that they would feel I was a difficult person because I was asking mm -hmm. for something. All of those, that narrative and the story that I t told myself, mm -hmm. I can almost remember, I think, a few years ago when I started doing this work with you, the first time you encouraged me to actually begin to flex th this muscle here and don't go for the 500 pound gorilla, which I love <laughs> that visual because I can actually visualize the 500 pound gorilla standing. <laughs> but I broke out into a literal, like this little sweat clammy feeling in my body when my friend asked me, oh, where would you like to go for dinner? And I was like, oh my gosh, my first reaction <laughs> normally would be, oh, I'm, I'm easy. Go, you know, why don't you choose, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I actually wanted to really go for Mexican food because I hadn't been to Mexican food in a while. So mm -hmm. I br break out into the sweat and I have this, uh, you know, as Jeremy talked about earlier um, about going to the movies, I can totally visualize myself, uh, you know, watching <laughs> this on stage about, you know, what I was wearing, what environment we were in together and, uh, you know, and what my, my body was doing. My heart started racing a little bit. Uh, I started getting this clammy feeling and I, just to say the words, oh, I would love to go to Mexican food tonight, you know, is that, would that be okay with you? That simple was so hard for me. Yeah. I was fearful that they would go, oh, you know, 
okay, she's asking for what she wants. Um, <laughs> you know, what, what's that about, Indrani? Uh, uh, why are we so fearful? And what is the judgment and the fear that uh, people feel? And this caregiver in particular, and these caregivers that often bring this scenario up about feeling like they're caring not only for people at work, but also for their families. Oh, what's the fear of asking their spouse or asking their family to help them out? You know, sometimes or a couple of days a week of saying, hey, can you make some dinner? Or can I take a break, you know, when I come home. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it, it, I have to I, I have to do baby steps and just work on my friends and my, you know, people that I trust. I can flex this muscle too. You know, I think, Amy, society really tells us the person who's doing it all is a super person and we all want to be super, right? Mm, yeah. So we're mm. not going to take, make, we're not going to blow the chance to be super. Yeah. Meanwhile, we're killing ourselves. Right. Yeah. Completely overextending ourselves and burning out. And that's exactly what I feel that these caregivers are telling us and communicating to us as they did to you years ago when we first started the caregiver project. Yeah, we're, you know, yeah, exactly. We're experiencing this burnout, and it was not just work; it was everything in their lives. They're not balanced. They're having a hard time with boundaries, and that is your first module that you de developed and designed just for that purpose. And a lot of times, Amy, do you remember a lot of times the caregivers were saying they never even imagined that they could set a boundary with anybody in their lives. Right. Yes, so it wasn't even that. a part of their vocabulary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Excellent. And I, I think something else, and I, I think we'll we'll wrap up uh, in a second here. But I wonder what you both think about the fact that as you start to do this boundary work, do you find that you can also help your relationships? by identifying when you see somebody else not set a boundary. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, to go back to our light example of, of food, I know with Ashley, my wife, that since doing this boundary work, now there's times when, you know, I'll say, hey, you know, what do you want? You know, we're going out for dinner. What would you like? And I'll say, I'd love to go for, you know, beer and chicken wings. And she'll say, mm -hmm. yeah, that's fine. But because of this work now, I can kind of sense in her tone or the way mm. that she says it, that she's actually not telling me the boundary that she's interested in. And so now I'll kind of say, well, are you sure that's what you want? Mm. And then she'll pop up and say, well, I'd really actually like to go for sushi. So I'm finding in my life as I work mm -hmm. on getting better at my boundaries, I'm helping identify when people that are close to me aren't setting them and kind of helping them to set those boundaries. Yeah. I love that. I love mm -hmm. that. And, and Jeremy, the other thing that works for me is my appreciation of being able to identify boundaries in strangers has, has really heightened. Mm -hmm. So if I see someone setting a boundary, it makes me smile. If I see somebody not setting a boundary, it makes me remember to set my own. Mm. Right. Yep. Nice. And for for me, Jeremy, it's a, a big part of this is about trust. 
I, I am a big person that I want people to trust me. And when my friends and family were finally communicating to me that they didn't trust me because my boundaries were so soft and spongy, right. mm-hmm. they were starting to really see that I wasn't doing what I wanted to do or they felt really guilty because, you know, uh, we were showing up places that I didn't want to be at. Right. And, mm-hmm. they, and they were saying, why didn't you say anything? And I'm, I was like, well, I didn't want to be difficult and I didn't want to... Right you know, blah, blah, blah. And so now I have established more trust with people and vice versa, because we have those boundaries are there now. And I feel good about better. I shouldn't say I'm really, (laughs) you know, great or perfect at it yet, but I'm getting better and knowing it is about trust of another human being. And I think that that is definitely something, the consequences of not setting boundaries is something we can definitely discuss uh, in a future episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, For now, I just want to provide a summary of our three tools. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we will release all of you to your day, whether you're listening to this at work during a break or on your way to work or on the way home from work, uh, we'll let you get back uh, to to what you're doing. So we're going to, uh, when dealing with a difficult situation, like, demands at home, demands at work, nobody giving you space to take care of yourself. Start by going to the movies and observing the situation. Observe whether the boundaries that you have in that situation are soft, spongy, or rigid. And then look towards how you can start making those boundaries more flexible so that you're in control. And one way to do that is by identifying your yes exclamation mark, no, yes, question mark. And using these three tools, like we said, over time can help to shift uh, this situation at home that's, that's draining you of your energy and, and move it towards a solution uh, that is helping you have that energy at home, have that energy at work, and, and not worry about burning out. And so I just Perfect. Wanna, yeah, I just want to thank Amy and Indrani. Thank you for for being here today. And I think that's a wrap. Thanks, Jeremy. Yeah. Thank you very much, Jeremy. And thank you, caregivers. Thank you for the work you do. Thank you for listening to the Caring for the Caregivers podcast. You can visit indranislight.org forward slash support and anonymously share your own questions or challenging situations to be answered on the show. You can also sign up for our free caregiver package resources at indranislight.org forward slash care package. If you have any questions, you can email our team at info at indranislight.org. We hope this podcast has been a source of support and comfort to the amazing work you do in the world. And remember, we see you.